podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Anthony Haggerty. Now, that name will be familiar to a lot of people um, who have a, an interest in Scottish football because you were a sports journalist for 21 years writing for the Daily Record, Tony. I was, Paul, yes. And you say it was because you've come out of the game. I came out of the game, yeah. In fact, it's, in Friday it'll be a year since I left the Daily Record and I came out to voluntarily done and say, and I, uh, I'm now at Glasgow Uni studying to be an English teacher, hopefully. No, that's brilliant. A great achievement and well done. Well done to you. you you've come out of a, a a workplace which, you know, it was central to football fans in Scotland. We were just talking about that, how important it was um, to get the the news as it was. Now, there's a whole generation of people maybe tuning into a Celtic state of mind who never did that. But, of course, it's a declining in industry. And um, I remember meeting you when you were active as a journalist and you said, you know, we're not all bad guys, Paul. Some of us support Celtic, you know. So it's great that you've come on to join us. And, you know, we can talk about some of your experiences in that game, in that field, and bring it right up to the 10 in a row and where we are just now as well, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. Yeah, we met in the penalty spot in Sword Street, eh? and I think Simon Donnelly was doing a, mm-hmm. a bit, yeah. And, you know, I, when you do something you love for 21 years, it comes across, you know, and, and regardless of what football team you support, I've always said that why should there be a problem with supporting a team and being a, a newspaper journalist, you know, a sports journalist? And if you come from the west of Scotland, there's a, a big chance you'll support one of the big two. Yeah. You know, but, and, and I always thought that it, it's, how come it was okay to be a Partick Thistle, St. Johnson, Dundee United, or Aberdeen fan, or any club in the media, but the minute you kind of aligned yourself with either or, then you, you were a target for verbal abuse or, or whatever or people to make judgments on you you know especially when they when they don't actually know you as a person but I, I think that am I as a Celtic supporter would you be any any fervent or passionate as an Aberdeen fan a Partick Thistle fan a St Johnston fan I, 
I don't know. The way I see it as well, Tony, is when things are going wrong, you're hurting as a Celtic fan. And that can sometimes come across in your writing because it means something to you. So if you want change, for example, and I'll go back probably to the 90s, it's not a Celtic da reference, but back in the 90s, you know, if the whole uh, mainstream media were dominated by people who were just dancing on Celtic's grave, then there would be various um, journalists out there who were supporting things like Fergus McCann coming in. That wouldn't have existed, but it did, because I know Kevin McKenna was was shouting from the rooftops. Uh, I know that Hugh McDonald's was a massive supporter of Fergus Mm -hmm. as well. There's a few journalists who people probably wouldn't believe were also pushing for Fergus (laughs) because obviously uh, over the years they've maybe uh, been showing a, a bit of a a kind of uh, liking for the other side. But th- these things will happen. But what I like when I'm speaking to journalists, and I, I took this very, very early on when I was writing a book, was they're always willing to assist. And sometimes that's with contacts for players or ex-players. And there's some guys who I know are Celtic fans who are currently in the media who won't come on because they don't want to get the flack that, that uh, you're going to get if you align yourself maybe to Celtic and you're working in the Scottish media. I mean, I... I think that's a personal choice for some people, you know, and it, it could become an occupational hazard, you know, having stepped out. I mean, mo- most people knew I was a Celtic supporter anyway, you know, so uh, I, I'd never, I'd never actually had it or tried to hide it, you know, mm-hmm. cause I didn't see any, any benefit from that. But it doesn't mean you could look obdurately at something, you know, with an, with an obdurate eye. You, you were professional to the last, or I certainly tried to be. And, uh, and a lot of people, even when I left, still didn't know who I supported. So you, you turn around and you think, okay, maybe I did something right or maybe I did something wrong. But I, uh, I, I, always, I always think uh, your football team's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not up for question. You make a choice and there is no wrong choice with the football team. You know, when you support, you know, there, there is no wrong choice. It's, it's your football team and that's it for life. And I also make the point that you can only support one football team. Yeah. See these people that say, oh, I'm a Barcelona fan or I'm a PSG fan or I'm a Juventus. You're not. You, I always you, found that strange to you, me. you know, you can only support one football team. You give your heart and soul to one team and you stick with it. You know, because I don't know about you, you might like Barcelona, but you know, when they get beat, you don't run up your stairs and lock no, yourself in the bedroom. Nothing. You want right. to cry or, no. or whatever, you know. Only your football team, if it gets you the way it should, makes you want to, you know, you go through the whole gamut of emotions mm-hmm. uh, with your particular team. You laugh, that. you cry, you celebrate, you get despondent. And, and, and football cyclical, as everybody says, so you, you, go, you go with it, but... That's your choice. You make it very early, whether it comes from your family, your dad passing it down, your granddad, or whoever, or you make up your own mind because you've seen a particular player or, or you like it or as base as you like a certain colour. It's your team. Or if you, know, you were in, if you were in Italy playing Sabutio. Yes, of course. <laughs> and you like the green and Of course, that's always a big one. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I totally get that because you drive about these days, Tony, you see kids in Real Madrid strips or Barcelona strips, you think if they get beat, or English football teams, if they get beat this weekend, it's not going to ruin your weekend. I know that if Celtic do as they just did, it, it you know it absolutely engulfs you for longer than your weekend. I that's one thing that kind of saddens me when I see a lot of kids running about with uh, foreign strips on or English or English tops on. You know, again, going back to I guess it's personal choice, but a lot of it's the kind of following of successful teams. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they're, they're, they're never unfashionable teams. I don't see anyone run about with an Atalanta top on. 
you know, or a, or a leo top, yeah. you know, Nantes or whoever, you know. Uh, it's always Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Juventus, you know. And I'm sure they all do have Scottish teams, all these kids uh, that they, they support. But, you know, when I was a kid growing up, it, it was a big thing to purchase a, mm-hmm. a Scottish football strip of, of your team. It was a, a major thing to own, you know. And uh, when it came on the day it came out, you you were like, oh, I need, I need to get that, I need to get that, you know. And, and you had your favourite player name maybe emblazoned on the back or your own surname or whatever, but... You you took real pride in that, you know. You it was a kind of declaration of this is my team. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing their colours proudly, you know, proudly, yeah, definitely. you know, and and the results were what they were, and you you dealt with it accordingly. Growing up, mm-hmm. you know, you know, talking about growing up, and again, I'm not harking back too much to the good old days because we are in the process at the moment of making history or breaking history or allowing it to, to run away from us, Tony. No one knows what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. But um, we will remember when Celtic were stopping the 10. And I know a lot of Celtic fans don't even say that. They'll say that they, they were winning the one. But uh, when Rangers had won nine in a row, going for a 10, Vim Janssen comes in. And you look at the way that team was assembled, the mentality that was created. And I say created because it was from the management and the way that they approached it. And then we now look at the situation where, uh, you know, it's turned around and we're going for the 10. And you've got you've got a team here who, man for man, I don't think are as good as Celtic. Uh, if you were comparing coach to coach, Lenny's won a lot in the game as a manager and, and Gerrard does not. But we're facing a situation where this is a real challenge. Do you see any um, things that resemble back in the day when we were trying to stop the 10? Without a doubt, spoke to your affairs just before coming on and I... I believe right now, I think it's disingenuous to call Stephen Gerrard a rookie manager now. He's two years in the job, but he's showing signs, increasing signs of learning. They've got not a bad record in Europe, taken a few scouts, have claimed a few scouts, right? He's assembled a band of players there who are playing for him, Mm -hmm. you know? And I said this to you, it's almost, it's a quest now. It's become a mission. They have to stop the 10. It's this year or bust. The same way, is Vim Jansen when he came in moulded his side and they had to stop the 10 you know and what you say that I'm firmly a, it was a winning of the one I was in that camp it was a celebration of what was achieved mm-hmm. what 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 not what wasn't I'm, I'm very much the, the former as opposed to the latter and, and there are similarities but I think the one thing that Rangers have got this season over what that Celtic team had is no crowds. Now, there's not that pressure. If you remember going back to that season, every misplaced pass was a tragedy. Yeah. You know, every goal that was scored against you was just, uh, it was the end of the world. You know, and I, and I remember my father, my father's big hero was Jock Steen, and he just couldn't reconcile himself with the fact that Rangers would eclipse his record. And so that season, he, he, became really embroiled in it and passionate and you know and I used to look at him and think you know you'll need to calm down Mm -hmm. so and Rangers have that added uh, bonus that they're not playing at Ibrooks with the expectations of the supporters bearing down on them at the moment you know so there's a wee bit of freedom that they can play with and they can express themselves and nobody's there to 
shirk them or chide them or you know, get on their case. So I think the pressure's slightly off. You know, Van Jansen's team, I mean, they started poorly. You know, very Massive. poorly. Yeah. You know, and uh, the dreadlocked one giving the ball away to Mr. Chick Charlie who thrashed it into the net and going back to you know people making snap judgments of Henrik Larson right there and then, mm-hmm. he'll no do. Because well, he misplaced a pass. Now we've got snap judgments of the manager, the current manager, you know. But what I will say is, I think most people, and I gave you this stat earlier, that most people are annoyed at the fact that they've played Rangers. And the last three, the last three times they've played Rangers, I'll give you an interesting stat, they've had six shots on target. Five in the game that they lost 2-1 in November, one in the cup final, which they scored from, and none in that game there. Now, there's a worrying trend developing for a lot of supporters in terms of uh, the managers, you know? And I think people are beginning to kind of think that Gerard now has a hex over Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. But they were saying the same back in November when they lost, and then Celtic, you know, reeled off an impressive set of victories and, and stuff, you know? But They did, they did, Tony. Uh, so you have to weigh these things up. The, the knee-jerk's always to play, but you're looking at it, and you're looking at the manager, and you're looking at the way the team's played, there's something no functioning. There's something all right. This is the one thing that we've spent this week, certainly, uh, talking about. We've spent a lot of the, the period this season talking about the, the performances, and we can't quite put our finger on it. And the reason for that, Tony, is you don't know what's happening behind closed doors, you don't know, you hear the rumours, you try not to focus on them because a lot of the time, you know, the sources aren't good um, or they're doing it to ruffle feathers before a big game so then what you you think about is, well, Edward's not firing on all cylinders, absolutely not and Cham, who is a player that I rate very, very highly it looked like a shadow of what we know he can achieve on Saturday and there's others we could go through, and it's not about criticising every player, but they certainly are not playing um, as a unit. And a lot of the players that we would normally expect performances from aren't delivering. So when we're looking back over the last nine, the nine in a row, you've got Lenny Mark 1 and Mark 2. I've asked people who know Neil Lennon, you know, how he's changed and what's the differences, etc. But obviously you've dealt with these people. You've dealt with Ronnie Dyla. You've, re- you've dealt with Brendan Rodgers. And I think it would be interesting to look at the nine seasons of uh, yeah. domestic dominance and some of the um, anecdotes and some of the things that stood out for you around these three managers. Well, first and foremost, uh, Lennon Mark One was a firebrand. Mm-hmm. You saw it for yourself, the League Cup final and stuff like that, when he stormed the pitch and, you know, and, he, and he had all sorts of other issues to contend with as well with the incident at Tyne Castle and and stuff like that, you know, and a, a lot of, he met fire with fire, mm-hmm. shall we say, mm-hmm. Lennon, and he wanted to really uh, stamp his authority on on the Celtic job, you know, so he, he and he felt that he, he should be there, and he and he wanted to make a point, and, and he was always great value, never ever ducked a question, you ask Neil Lennon a question, you get a straight answer, he never ever said, nah, I'm not answering that, and, uh, but to to his detriment sometimes, because he was too open mm-hmm. at times, you know, not so much in, in, in giving tactical knowledge away, but just, you know, there's a time when you sort of say, right, rein yourself in. 
but he, he couldn't help himself, you know, and he, he he just he just wanted what was best for the club and what was what was best for Celtic and and what was best for himself at that moment in time, you know. And uh, Lennon Mark One against Lennon Mark Two, there's a distinct contrast. He has mellowed a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know the, the Lennon Mark One was some of his conduct. And I'll say this, I, I didn't particularly think it was befitting of a man holding that high position, or holding a job that, as a supporter, you think is the best football job in the world, you know? But again, he was learning. It was his first managerial job, so you get your mistakes out the road, I mm-hmm. guess, mm-hmm. you know? But they still won the titles, you know, and it takes a special kind of manager to get players to play for you to win a title. You know, he judged over a season, and uh, he, you, you never wanted a Lennon stare. Let's put it that way. It was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite something if you sat across and you got the, the Lennon eyes. You know, and it, no words required. You know, because he'd give you quite oh, one of them. But he, he loved a laugh and a joke and a carry yeah. on, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but he, uh, yeah, he was serious, serious when it came to. His football stuff, and he, he said he, he always said that he, he didn't ask players to do anything that he, he had never experienced or did himself working under guys like Martin O'Neill. Yeah, you know, Ronnie Dyler was just a guy that won the lottery, you know, uh, and the loveliest, loveliest man that you could ever hope to meet just rode the wave, the two year wave that he was on, you know, he just and he loved being there and he loved the fact that he. Celtic approached him and and I think to be fair to Celtic I think it was an experiment because I think they thought that they'd kind of unearthed the, the next Mourinho mm-hmm. at an early stage and I, I admire their ambition for that and what I will say is that I wouldn't like Ronnie Dyler's uh, chapter in Celtic's history and nine stroke ten if it does become that to be airbrushed at all because he was a big part of it Yeah, you know the he came in at a time when everybody said, oh, it was a doddle. It's not a doddle to win a title at any level. You know, you have to, and he came in as a foreigner and, you know, having not had much success with a, you know, had success in his own, uh, in his own home. Yeah. But not with a fashionable club. So it was a total, a total gamble. But he was a very affable guy and another one who, who loved a laugh and a joke and, you know, he, he loved his two years, but I think he realised himself eventually that as the pressure started to build, was man enough to admit, um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving here because I just start, you know, and 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 you know, I, his kind of tenure was tarnished with that loss on penalties to Rangers in the the Scottish Cup semi final, mm-hmm. uh, and. That can happen when it goes to a penalty shootout. You know, should they have won that game? Yeah, probably, but but they didn't. So, but I don't think that in any way can blemish the two years, successful years that he had. Yeah. You, you know, know, when I look at Ronnie Dyler, and um, it's interesting that you mentioned about Lenny Mark 1 and 2, because I think Celtic fans are looking for the thunder they were, to, to yeah. return a wee bit, you know? Because um, we think back to... The famous one was Tony Mowbray. You've got yeah. Tony Mowbray and Peter Grant, and Granty as a player was always so animated. Love him yeah, or loathe yeah. him, he was always animated. 
But then on the sidelines, it was just almost like, you know, not disinterest, Tony, but, yeah. you know, it was very much like, you know, within themselves. And and a lot of the time, Neil Lennon seems to be like that just now. And again, he's maybe not buzzing as much off the crowd who are not there, etc. But you want to see a wee bit more of that. But the interesting thing, Ronnie, I think his legacy has been, he was a talent spotter. And, you know, he gave debuts to Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, uh, Chris Iyer, Ryan Christie, players who have played a massive part in the, in the nine in a row. Yeah, and also gave you the Ronnie Roar. You know, there was grown men refusing to leave Parkhead <laughs> until they'd, they'd, they'd got the Ronnie Roar. You know, grown men, and I, I used to laugh at that. I thought, well, there you go. You, you gave them something, you know. But, yeah, going back to the players you said that he, he brought through, they've been pivotal to... Mm. Uh, nine in a row so got a lot to thank Ronnie for and also I, I agree as well I think I think a lot of Celtic supporters want the firebrand Neil Lennon back because they, they're, they're studying his body language in the chair at the moment and as he lost his mojo a wee bit and a bit of that mm-hmm. that temperament that he had you know volatility yeah. that maybe sparked himself the team you know uh, and the like but maybe Celtic are struggling with the fact they don't have crowds, mm-hmm. you know, that, they can, that energy that they can feed off, you know, so it's all kind of feeding. But, you know, you, you have to say that you, you've got to still trust the manager to get it right because mm-hmm. he's got it right so far. And it's maybe this is a test in time and, and a blip, but if there's decisions to be made about Neil Lennon, then they're going to have to be made soon yeah, rather than later. And that's not me advocating anything to say that Neil Lennon should walk away or should be removed from office because I don't think that but I think uh, if others at the club are thinking that way then you know be careful what you wish for you know I I told you this off here but I'll tell people that a lot of people and this is not a defence of any shape or form about somebody who I claim is is a friend Uh, when I left the newspaper talking about anecdotal stuff and and I uh, I told a few of my contacts I was leaving and one guy in particular stepped up to the plate and it was Neil Francis Lennon who invited me to Lennox Town one day and let me watch training and gave me three hours of his time just as to say say thank you to me for dealing with him and just to say kind of cheerio and mm-hmm. hopefully we're past with me and he kind of left me and when I got my Unconditional for Glasgow Uni, he texts me to say if I can help you at all uh, in any way, shape or form moving forward then don't hesitate, you've got my number you know and people all say ah you've got my number and people very rarely use it but yeah. I still text him every now and again and he'll respond you know and that and you don't get into football journalism to become friendly with people that that was more circumstance than anything else but mm. uh, regardless of your thoughts as a manager or Neil Lennon as a manager as a person he's up he's up there in my estimation because he didn't have to do that and uh, you know and I, I just thought that was kind of a class act and that that's a side to Neil Lennon that not a lot of people see mm-hmm. don't think he kind of puts it out there you know they they have their own opinion of him but yeah that's 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 a Neil Lennon that, that I know and, and got to know and was privileged to get to know because of the job that I did and the mode of employment that I had yeah and, yeah. I, and I never ever took that for granted I don't text him every day because it's just I never ever it's not it's not my position to do that you know but uh, it was just a, a cracking three hours and I, I thought to myself 
I'll never ever sit in the office of a Celtic manager ever again for three hours doing what we are doing just now, laughing, joking, you know, observations of the team, criticising this and that, and you know, and and it was it was a it was a brilliant thing to do, and it was an even better thing to do without flicking a dictaphone on or mm-hmm. I bet you know, yeah. it was just it, it was magic, and I uh, I've always I respect him for that because one he didn't have to, and two. Uh, you know, he, he he went out of his way to just sort of give me a kind of proper send off after all those years. So that that was good. But as I say, this it's not a defence of a guy saying because he's not my best pal. He's just somebody that I've happened to know very well in in in, in the mode of employment that I did. So, uh, but the jury still well, not the jury still not my personal jury still. I still think he can get it right. But I think a lot of Celtic supporters are just I think they're just disappointed with the last three games against Rangers mm-hmm. and the nature of the performances, which have been pretty. Pretty insipid. They won the cup final because big, the big wall was in goal. You know, they lost in November because they were beaten by a hungrier team, and they lost there because I think, I think you and I both know that the the wrong team was maybe the wrong starting eleven was maybe put out there. Absolutely. Uh, the big thing as well is when you look at the Lennon of old, and you're looking at. Um, and I know sometimes the cameras can play out tricks on you because it's a split moment, Tony. So it looks like Lenny's just sitting there with his arms crossed. Yeah. And, but, you know, he might have been out and we've yeah, just not course, seen yeah. it because we're not at the games as much. And the thing the thing with me is I'm asking myself, because I've been support supportive on this podcast, um, sometimes very, you know, much criticised for being supportive of, of Neil Lennon. I'm now wondering, can he turn this around? And um, the fact that you've studied him as a football manager over a, a, a long period of time. You've seen the uh, appointments of Ronnie Dyla, you've seen the appointment of Brendan Rodgers, Neil, Neil Lennon's back. Do you think he can turn it around? I think he's, he deserved the chance to turn it around. I think he deserves the time to turn it around. But if uh, again, I go back to it. If someone in a more prominent position at Celtic than me has decided that he can't turn it around, then that's something that's going to... Uh, have to be decided shot uh, ASAP, you know, because did they limp on to, you know, they go to Pitodri on Saturday, Sunday, mm. and if they lose that, and I'm not saying they will lose that, but could, they could conceivably lose to Milan, they could conceivably lose to Aberdeen, you know, that how long do you let it go if that if that's your thinking? But I think the manager after what happened in December last year, uh, has earned the right to at least try and mould his team and, you know, get them back to where they were, you know. But uh, I think there's I think there's panic setting in amongst the Celtic supporters, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. 10 is just so important. You know, and you, and you go back to uh, the one I never touched on was Brendan Rodgers and, Brendan Rodgers, it was just, uh, and I know the Celtic supporters have their own thoughts and names for Brendan, but Brendan Rodgers to me is just, he's the second best manager in the history of the club. You know, uh, bar one, we all know who that is. Yeah. Uh, And I think given, time's a great healer and people will eventually look on Brendan Rodgers' tenure at Celtic as a really fantastic time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, an invincible treble, a double treble, 
you know, some magnificent wins over Rangers. What did he play? 13 or 14 or 11 drew one, lost one or something. Lost one, drew one, yeah. Uh, you know, of, and of, the wins were emphatic. Often, and the wins were know. emphatic. And people yeah. saying so they should be because they had the most money and they had the best team. Yeah, and and granted they, they should have been, but I don't think the Celtic supporters could have could have uh, you know envisaged the fact that players like Musa Dembele would come in, Edouard, you know they would beat Rangers five one home and away, beat them five 0 four 0 you know just unbelievable times, and a moment in time where. Uh, Tom Rogic scores that goal and the lightning does strike and uh, you know for supporters of my age, your age you know if domestically is your yardstick right, domestic football is your yardstick and European football something that is maybe beyond your reach at this minute then to go through a whole season and win everything unbeaten you know it's up there with great moments and in Celtic's history, it has to be. Oh, definitely. You know, and I, I defy any Celtic supporter to say whether they were at the game or not, that they had an outer body experience after Tom Rogic scored. I know I did. I was standing with my, my dad and my nephew, and we were just to the side of the press box, and I, I was aware of you know, people would know I was there, but, you know, as I say, I never ever had I was a fan. And Tasmanian Devil meets Yosemite Sam when Roderick scored. I, I, I just lost it to the point where my my nephew said to me, do you know what I loved about that game? The fact that you let yourself go. Mm-hmm. After 20 odd years of sitting, being kind of impassive about it and just trying to take it all in your stride, be neutral, I lost it. And you live for moments like that in football. That's, yeah. you know, and... And Brendan Rodgers gave Celtic supporters that. You know, he, he he built that team and he built that mentality. And and remember, he came on the back of such a crushing disappointment when they lost to Rangers and penalties at Hamden. Mm-hmm. And everybody worshipped him in, you know, 13,000 turning up, he's unveiling. And they just hoped a bit, like when Martin O'Neill came in and he, and he said the same kind of thing, I'll try my best and I hope to bring success to your football club. Boy, did he bring success, you know, and the the banner at Tynecastle annoyed me when he left. And I get the circumstances, how he left, and the club that he left for. But if you're Brendan Rodgers, your football world revolves around being in the so-called self-proclaimed best league in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry it does. Yeah, did he juke people by saying he'd been a Celtic supporter all his life? Possibly. But I tell you what, he he was convincing. He was a great actor then, you know. Who didn't he, believe it? Yeah, you Who know. Didn't believe it. Yeah, and know? and he never ever gave you the impression that he wouldn't leave before nine or ten, you know. So, uh, and I think the Celtic supporters fell out with themselves a bit over that because they, they, he was a messiah, mm. and they followed the messiah, and they would have followed the messiah to the ends of the earth, and see as a. As a journalist going to a Brendan Rogers press conference, it, it was it was nothing like I'd heard before or since. It, it was an education, mm. the way he thought about football. You know, he, he just he, he slept and breathed football. And, you know, you were just sitting there thinking, 
don't ask a banal question, don't ask a banal question. You know, and, but, see, even if he did, that didn't matter, he, he would answer it, and he was, he was good, and, and he was also great, you know, work experience, kids would come in, various newspapers, you know, and he'd sit down, and the first thing he says, there's a new face, who are you? Brilliant. You know, yep. and he, he shook their hand, and he would talk to them for about two or three minutes before anything had even started. And you imagine a kid going home and saying to their mum and dad, I went to Lennox Town today and, and Brendan Rogers spoke to me. You know, I saw on the news recently that Jurgen Klopp was written a letter to Aye. a 14 year old boy who said he gets anxious. Tremendous. Oh, it's brilliant. What a way to deal with people and, and also just a, a guy who got it as well about being a custodian and ambassador and just the public face of Celtic, you know, and, and when I hear fans be so, you know, disrespectful towards them and name Con, it jars with me a bit, you know. I, I, I just I just think that give it time and they will they will love what he did at Celtic. You know, he's revolutionised that whole club. I was going to ask you there, you were talking there about a mentality. And that certainly did change, didn't it, under Brennan Rogers? I mean, so many things changed behind the scenes that we're maybe only learning about now. But the whole mentality, the the club, I'm going to say the club changed because going back to somebody we mentioned earlier, Johnny Owens just done a film on the Three Kings, Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, Jock Steen. Now, you could add other names into that, but these types of managers, Brian Clough, Don Revy, Alex Ferguson, managed the entire club to yeah. the point where their influence could be seen from the tea lady to the boardroom. And I think that when Rogers came in, it was the first time we'd seen that in a long time, Tony. He was omnipresent. Mm -hmm. No, omnipotent almost. He, he was given a blank canvas and told, go and paint your own picture. You know? And boy, did he do that. Mm. You know? And would not have come to Celtic had they not, uh, had he not granted them that. You know? And for once, not not for once, that's maybe, but to be fair to Celtic, it was a massive coup getting Brendan Rodgers, yep. right? Yep. And also, it was an even bigger coup to just give him free reign. Didn't get it right all the time. You know, European results, you know, some of them were not befitting of a club of Celtic stature, but, you know, that that's fair enough. But again, I get back to it that European football at the minute for Scottish clubs is kind of somewhere in the ether, you know, they need to kind of build themselves up again and, and get better, you know, in, in order to compete at any kind of level, you know. You, you look even at the developments in the last few days of um, the big leagues and the big teams yeah. looking to, to go further into the distance by jumping ship from UEFA to FIFA and creating a brand new tournament. And we know that Scottish football will never be part of these plans, Tony. And Celtic, with its rich European history, might not be part of that, that type of plan. The saddest part about that is, is that Celtic kicked off European football's Cinderella story. Mm -hmm. Celtic kicked that off because they came from a part of the globe that wasn't a football superpower, you know? And, and the reason a lot of people watched it was because it was on the BBC. Yeah. So the World Service could, uh, you know, televise this game. And also the kind of 
romantic thing about the fact that all the players were from the 30 mile radius, that kind of thing. But Celtic came from nowhere. It's the ultimate football Cinderella story. Paved the way for others mm-hmm. to come. You know, now you talked about uh, Matt Busby. No, who's to say the Busby Babes might have been the first British club to, to win the European Cup because that team say, seemingly were, were good enough, you know. But, you know, tragedy struck them and, and it's all, it's, that's particularly sad, you know. But Celtic showed how you didn't have to be a fashionable club to win the big one. Yet now, nothing is more abhorrent to the men in suits that an unfashionable club could ever win the big one again. No. Because right. they, they, they see they don't bring any value to the table. It's, it's, it's bordering on a football crime. Mm. You know? No, because football is... Because football's all about the dreamers. The fairy tale. Yep. You know, and Celtic were dreamers back in 67. Caught a moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know? And how prophetic of Steen to say when they got the sports team of the year in BBC yeah, and they got the trophy off Matt Busby and he said here's hoping the next hands in this trophy are yours you know just I mean crazy but you know and if you take that out of football then what have you got I love Scottish football Paul people are so down in Scottish football Mm -hmm. because they compare it to La Liga they compare it to England they compare it to you know leagues that are awash with cash you may as well call these teams in all of these leagues Moneyball 1, Moneyball 2, Moneyball 3, right? Down to 22. Scottish football's honest. There's yeah. an honesty about it, right? Well, no kidding them, they on, right? And what it lacks in millions of pounds and skill and technique, it makes up for in heart and passion. Mm-hmm. Going back to why you support a football team, you know, the will, the will to win, just there's a, an honesty and, a, and a, a, a realness about it. You know, people can disagree with that. But no, there's nothing better for me on a Saturday than being sent to... And I could be sent anywhere. I could be Celtic Park or I could be Central Park, County Beast. doesn't matter. doesn't matter to me. Somebody was paying me to write about something that I loved and a sport that just the world over's, you know, people love it. But see, when the suits decided that they were going to turn it into a business... Mm. We, they they ripped the heart and the soul out of football. In fact, they ripped the guts out of football. No, oh, they did. And I'm glad to say that Scottish football hasn't gone down that road. People will argue and say that Celtic kind of have because they're they're the richest club and they're the best players. And that that's and and I get that argument too. But you know, in every in every league, there has to be a a richer club because they're bigger resources. You know, so I, I, and but my, my own feeling is that I don't think the product in Scotland's as bad as people say it is, because you can go through any league and say it's a two horse race, mm-hmm. a three horse race, or, or whatever, or pick out uh, clips that don't portray it in a great light. You know, but for every one of them, I'll give you ten great moments of skill or ten reasons why. You know. I loved Hamilton St Johnston last week. You know, do you see somebody like Stevie May and Craig Conway go back the years, play fantastically well? Yeah. You no know, things like that. You go, wow, that was vintage. Remember when they 
And what other what other country in the world has a stadium like Central Park like you referenced before? Yeah, you know <laughs> what a place. You know, so for the stock cars. You know, you know, correct. And you look at it and think, whoa, I land at Tingford. Oh, you mm-hmm. know that that kind of thing. But and if five hundred people want to support Cowden Beath every week, that's their team. No, if, I, I remember Pat Rolling, who's a comedian and a big Celtic fan. You might know Pat. But he was once one of the Albion Rovers directors. Mm-hmm. And they drew Rangers in the cup and they were cock-a-hoop and they were, you know, a brilliant windfall for everybody. And I remember having a conversation with Pat one day and I was doing a bit, because he was going out in a van and a loudspeaker, Coke Bridge and Airdrie, trying to get more fans in the door. And I said to him, what, what would make a difference, Pat, to your attendance? And his answer stunned me. He said, if we could get 25 more punters in really? through the door, paying between a tenner and 15 quid or 12 quid, mm-hmm. I went, See, I was waiting for him to say a couple of hundred, but he said that 25 could pay a gas bill, an electricity bill. You know, and I was like, wow. You know, and that's the way these clubs kind of lived and existed. And I went, wow, wow, wow. And that kind of fine margins, you know, you talk about football clubs, but if you obliterated Albion Rovers, then, you know, doesn't matter how many people support Albion Rovers, but it's their club. Yeah, you can't play God with football clubs because they're no cash rich. No, exactly, they're not fashionable enough for your master plan. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I've always, I've loved Scottish football for that. People say we have too many clubs. I look, I, I'm the opposite. I think isn't it great that so many people support so many different clubs, and you go to one corner of Scotland to the next, and you know, they'll. they'll and they'll support their team with a fervour and a passion and, you know, and, and, and they love it. Yeah, definitely. You know? And so, by the way, apparently mine's a season ticket holder at Central Park, so I wasn't having a dig at Cowden. Oh, neither was I. <laughs> I, hope I, 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 was, I just picked that out the yeah, air because definitely. it was Celtic Park and Central Park, so there's a kind of alliteration there. Was just, you know, that. No, it is an experience, let me tell you. Now, the thing with tomorrow night, we've spoken about European football, it's almost taking a back seat this week, Tony. Yeah. The AC Milan game normally would be sitting here buzzing about a game that we were going to. Yeah. Um, people are looking ahead to the Aberdeen game. You and I spoke before saying, you know, the work starts here for the Aberdeen game. We need to get a performance out of the team. What changes can you see Neil Lennon making tomorrow night? There has to be some kind of reaction tomorrow, you know. And and I don't really agree with this free hit expression in football, but mm-hmm. I think, I guess, this is as, as good a free hits are going to get it you know because Celtic's focus and drive should be on the 10 Europa League's a, a distraction it's a nice one and but you know if they're really fixed they're, they're fixating on the league or they, or they should be you know so I think tomorrow will be the ideal time to bring in the likes of Turnbull but yeah. a dyna- dynamism in the midfield you yeah. know a guy that can run up and down and I watched a lot of Turnbull when I was through the job and I covered Motherwell a lot and great kid just and a, and a baller, you know. He's got it. Mm. I, well, I, I believe, in my humble opinion, he has it. You know, and, you know, in 45 minutes against Hibs this season was probably Celtic's best performance and Turnbull was instrumental in that. Mm-hmm. Set up a jetty for a lovely third goal. You know, and I, and I think a lot of people were disappointed that he wasn't in the team on Saturday. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people like me can maybe take a leave in Sham. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's cold, he's a passenger. You know? Again, not 
it's, I don't mean that to be critical. It's an observation more than anything else that I just feel he's got so much more to contribute. Mm-hmm. But if it's not going for him, then, you know. He's a four out of ten. Aye. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think Turnbull could maybe have given him something different on Saturday. Like McGregor, he can get up and down. He's, you know, he got an eye for a pass. He can take a set piece. You know, he can rifle one in from 20 yards, 30 yards range, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And I'd like to see Griffiths get an extended run now if Edward's not fit. But you touched on it earlier that, you know, Edward hasn't been firing on all cylinders since the start of the season. Yeah. So guys like that, they're not, you know, they're not undroppable. They, you, know, you, you have to understand that Celtic are chasing history. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to play your part. You have to step up to the plate. And just because your friend's Eddie doesn't mean you walk into the team. You know, you've got to produce. And and the talent he's got, that's what's annoying Celtic fans. The talent that he's got, it's, it's off the charts. It's off the scale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at him sometimes and, and he has that languid kind of lackadaisical style that a lot of these guys have. Dembele had it, but he always switched on in the big games. Yeah, he did. Right? Mm-hmm. Dumbelli, you know, he's he's his record against Rangers spoke for itself, Man City goal, stuff like that. Because he got it. You know, sometimes he thinks he gets it, and other times I think he doesn't. You know, he just thinks he can stroll through it and think there'll come a moment in the game where I'll beat three in. Hunky dory, you know. But that moment might not come as it's not came in a few games this season. All too regularly for you know, for, I know, liking. Yeah, yeah. for for someone who you know is sublimely talented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I would have preferred Griffiths to start last week because he would have ran the channels and he would have always looking to score. The minute the ball goes to Griffiths' feet, the first thing he's thinking, "Can I get shot? Mm-hmm. Can I get shot in here?" And also, Rangers are terrified of him because he's got a good scoring record against them too. So they needed a spark against St Johnston in Perth. Spark gave him. He came on and scored. You know, so what What more could he do to say, look, might not be back at my best, might not be fit, but I'm up for this challenge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and so the inclusion of Klamala and El Yunusi was, was baffling. You know, Klamala scored a lovely goal too in the St. Johnson game, took it really well. But, you know, you ask any Celtic supporter who they would have started last week, it'd have been Griffiths, you know. Without a doubt, don't, don't want to hark back to last week because it's it was abject, it was miserable, it was, you know, and I touched upon the shots on target. Lee Griffiths would have had six shots on target himself. Yeah, I know. On Saturday, and he came in in sixty-seven minutes. I think you know yeah. that was a frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're looking at the changes as well, Tony, it's something that I've been pretty critical of Neil Lennon. You know, making the changes too late. Every change was made at two 0 Yeah. Um, and Griffiths is a guy that can give you the spark. You know. But um, you, you touched on it before you went on air. After 15 minutes, you knew it wasn't working on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Managers are loath to change things after 15 minutes because it's a, an admission of, I've called it wrong. But I tell you what, Celtic supporters would have respected Neil Lennon big time if he did. And and, and then had they got beat, but, but shown a bit more in an attacking sense. You know, see, see to not have a shot on goal, a Celtic Rangers game I don't know about it's you but it's, you know you'll, you'll go a long way and dig in the archives for to find a game, another game like that you know and as much as 
the manager can maybe make excuses and say that they were they were without uh, certain personnel. The object of football is to score goals. Mm-hmm. Never had a shot on target against Rangers last week. Well, Tony, tomorrow night I'm hoping that all changes, and I hope, like yourself, that Griffiths gets a run out. And um, I also hope this season you can come back in and join us again on a Celtic State oh, of Mind. It's been brilliant today, pleasure, catching up, and great, uh, yeah. you know. Good luck for everything this season yourself. <laughs> Thank you. uh, all that's left for me to say is, Anthony Haggerty, thanks for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Pleasure. Thank you. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.